Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man appears.com. I am your host, your extreme disappointment on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. <laughs> and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how the fuck are you, buddy? First uh, pay per view uh, we are doing in 2024, our time. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, New Year, same us. So uh, I don't think I don't think much is going to change for us, is it? It's still there's 1999 no, in our world. There's no thunder resolutions that are being put in place. Oh no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's just we're we're so, carrying on with on our merry way down this this horrendous road that we travail. Does it feel like the closest, like, we, we because we can't change anything in the past, I feel like the, the closest thing to a solemn vow we have to take is, like, you know, the Alcoholics Anonymous, like, Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. <laughs> so we just have to accept that we can't change World Championship Wrestling. It's fucking dead. Um, and we just have to grin and bear it. Yeah, there's not much we can do about it, so we just kind of yeah, we just go along with it and and find find the goodness out of it that we can, and you know cherish it for what it is. If we can, <laughs> this is not always a given, as we're going to talk about. Hey, look, we still have chronic to come, so that that's good. we do, we do. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess like we don't have uh, we have a little bit of off-topic stuff to kind of uh, avoid getting straight into this. Um. Now, normally, Lee, you would be the the man to to lead out on uh, on on Patreon, but I have a uh, just to kick off the year for people who and uh, we very much uh, want to thank. We we got a a handful of brand new subscribers over the last little while to a large man our Patreon. Um, we want to thank them very much, but uh, I thought it would have been nice for us to start off 2024 with a little sneak preview as to what January and February are going to hold for us uh, over on the Patreon. But uh, things are things are going pretty well over there, aren't they? Yeah, things are going really well. I mean, we're we're always um, happy to see like brand new subscribers. Um, 
but yeah we're, we're oddly for us especially for us we're oddly organized for what's to come in the next two to three months damn right we are um and we don't want to go too far ahead because i feel like there's a balance isn't there between announcing things so people can get hype and then kind of spoiling surprises <clears throat> um so i i think like for now like we might do a kind of we'll announce two months now and then we might roll where in february we might announce march and things like that see how people are kind of uh adapting to that whether they prefer things uh, a bit more kind of like you know unannounced or whether they like to hear in in plenty of time let us know um the other thing i think that um 2024 is going to take uh in terms of tone on the patreon um that i'm liking is um we we, we experimented a, a couple of weeks ago well over the christmas period with uh, the skip scramble which rather than any of our existing series is um it's like the start of uh, doing something a bit more ad hoc, doing a playlist that, that one of us had put together. And, you know, we can't claim all the credit. Uh, our good friend Mark Buckledy did the first mixtape uh, as one of our TRLs last year. Um, but I like that occasionally we're going to allow ourselves to do something that's outside of... I think if we got stuck in the routine, buddy, of doing like just TRLs, mm. rehashes, and um, at the movies. People might get tired of that, and we might get tired of it. Um, so I think doing some ad hoc things that make a bit more sense, like some time-sensitive things, some change-it-up type things, I, I think I we're going to try it anyway and see how the, the patrons respond, because ultimately we go with what everybody wants. They have paid. Um, but I, I think this gives a new and more fun flavor to the Patreon content for the next. Yeah, while. It's, it's definitely going to give a real variety that we that we're not only like that we're going to enjoy. Hopefully, everyone listening will enjoy, and um, mm. we'll always have the shows that we we'll, we'll constantly go back to, like at the movies, like uh, rehash. They're going to be constants. They're not going anywhere. Um, no, nope. but yeah, like I think this year we'll we'll try and do a bit more kind of year year of our time of the year based content so yeah. like for january we, we yeah we, we had toyed with the idea of doing last year we talked in our survey about doing uh, match club and trash club mm. where we just do playlists uh, of matches and we could never find good excuses or themes to, to start running those series and i think the idea we have <clears throat> that we're just about to explain i think is a way of us doing that um, so I look forward to it. The very first one in January, as you alluded to, Lee, is what we're calling the non-Rumble Royale. And I think a lot of people do great content around the Rumble every year. And I think a lot of the Rumbles have been analyzed to death. Um, but the idea we've come up with is why don't we do a playlist of matches, three recommended by me, three recommended by mm -hmm. you, um, where we each pick matches that were on Royal Rumble cards that were not Royal Rumbles that we really love. Um, and I'm really excited by some of the ideas we've already come up with. Yeah, I mean, that that's, like you said, that's just for January. That's our January ideas for the, the match club mm -hmm. is, is the non-Rumble Royale. And yeah, like, I said, like we said, throughout the year, we're hoping to have more of this kind of time of the year based content but yeah now look, looking forward yeah. to um hearing what everyone thinks of our non-rumble royale idea because as you said the royal rumbles have been absolutely dissected bit by bit entrant by entrant elimination by elimination by 
pretty much everybody else in the world so we're not going to do that yeah yeah we always have to find our, our own kind of different and maybe worse way of doing it um but i think we're going to have a lot of fun with it um the other patreon show for january is going to be the return of trl um we got our we have one that we've been holding for a while that we're going to do in february because the the timing works for it Uh, and then we literally just got our first request for season three in so we are going to be doing ring of honor best in the world 2018 as our second show in january um so that's a completely different flavor from whatever else we're doing we're also again recommitting to the return of solo audio every month in 2024 as well alternating each month between myself and lee uh so have a look out for uh one or the other of us looking for questions or comments or anything like that at some stage during the month on the patreon um and then february as well as february solo audio what we're going to get is rehash of the champions 10 uh and a, a a trl request we've had for quite some time lee and we wanted to make sure the timing was right and february with aw revolution coming up at the start of march february is the time to do this and our second patreon show in february is going to be a retrospective on the aw run of sting yeah that this is a request that came into us god probably nearly a year ago at this point yeah um and thankfully the requester was understanding where we we just like we were open to the idea of doing that at the time but our idea was well why not we all know the retirement is coming so why don't we wait to deal with like right at the end of his run and yeah so the end of february is probably the the perfect time with revolution like a couple of weeks afterwards so yeah so again that's something i'm really looking forward to and i hope that we can um do a show that everyone else will enjoy based on one of one of our faves do justice to the great man himself mm. uh, it's worth repeating as well that uh trl which is our request show over on patreon um if you're somebody who like that requester had uh sent in their trl a long time ago you only need to sub once to the trl tier to get your request in you don't have to keep it live until we do the show uh once you get your request in we will send you the show even if you're not at that tier or not a patreon at all anymore by the time it it comes out um you paid for it you will get it once we get our asses together and actually record well, the show see what happened was we, we got in so many trls that we just fell behind yeah it was it, it was it was, it was, right it was <laughs> it was right around the time that you had to take some time off. Yeah. So we had the combination of, I think we had six TRLs on the waiting list, plus you weren't here. Um, so the the best way to do it was to divide the ones we could do then, mm-hmm. and then the one that I think, I, I, I think it makes so much sense to do it right in the build-up to his last absolutely. ever match. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the first couple of months over at largemarnappears.com where you can get uh, at least three bonus audio shows per month for only five euro, um, which is like six dollars. Um, so that is uh, great value, if I do say so myself. Lee. Yeah, as you say, it's the, the cost of a cup of coffee in most places. So um, yeah, absolutely well worth the uh, the five euro if if we must say or say so ourselves. 100%. Uh, I guess we're going to get into it, are we? I mean, I suppose we have to. Uh, it's time to talk Fall Brawl 1999, my friend. And look, 
I feel like I consider us in some ways like great archaeologists of world championship wrestling Lee, where we're we're on these kind of Indiana Jones style adventures trying to not die uh, <laughs> but also try to uncover gems and artifacts and bits of information about history um that we uh you know maybe didn't know or uh wish other people should know more about that kind of thing right can, can, can i just say then if we're indiana jones as a collection does that mean i'm harrison ford because i'm the older one and that makes you zach efron well oh, not zach efron, it was yeah sorry no well <laughs> I, actually yeah because because then i wouldn't have to do this show because in the in the newest indiana jones movie shia the buff has been killed off screen oh jesus <laughs> so he's just not in it he died in the war um no um what i was trying to drive at was i think we made an important discovery on this show lee okay what's that i think this is an important fulcrum in history okay so we've talked about the four horsemen right and people have talked about how these people that arrive and then Russo at the head of it all in a, in a month or so or two months mm. month or two months um, it's, it's all over from there when Russo arrives the more we've been doing 99 the more you and I have been assessing it's like things were pretty Russo-esque and things were in maybe not an irreversible tailspin but a deep tailspin already way before he got there I think if not this show, around this exact pocket of time, I think we are now in the tipping point. This show, for for several reasons we'll talk about on the show, I don't think this was the worst booked show in WCW history. I don't think this was the worst wrestled show in WCW history. I can think of worse matches. I can think of worse segments. You know what I mean? I don't know if there has been a greater nexus of the two combined with a crowd both in a building and at home that don't care anymore. This was the first time where I I said, this feels like death rattle WCW. I think this is around the time where they can't pull the ship around. I disagree. Okay. I... I thought this show was pretty okay, actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, like what is the same? Like, like I, I think, I think there has been worse wrestling. Yeah, I'll say I think there's been worse wrestling on shows. I don't think this was the worst pay per view bell to bell we've seen. I don't think this. I, I think it, it. There was a lot of really nonsensical booking on this show and really bad psychology. I, I think there has been worse. Like you know, the finger poke of doom by itself is much worse than any individual decision that was made on this show, mm. for example. But you had booking that wasn't great. You had a lot of wrestling that wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And a crowd that was shockingly apathetic. Yeah. Combined with a stat that I'm about to give you coming into this as well. That made me think, I think this might be the moment where the crowds, the fans are starting to go, do you know what? Well, see, obviously, we, we've talked about this where... 1998 was so hot that 
the crowds were still big carrying over into March and April. Whereas coming into the summer months now, well, you're coming off the finger poke and you're coming off, you know, everything that they did wrong at the start of the year. That now the crowds aren't as enthused. That like there were still people that were treated like stars, like your your Goldberg, your DDP, your well not necessarily DDP actually in nineteen ninety nine, um, your Booker T's. But it it's to me, yeah, the the crowds like at this point are a result of the early part of the year. Yeah, I. So I suppose as we open up the pay-per-view, I'll talk about it. So this is Fall Brawl 1999 from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12th of September 1999. 130,000 buys. Okay. That is down 105,000 in a month. <laughs> okay. Now, Road, I, I will Road say Road Wild was, was shocking. But Road Wild was 235. This is the lowest buy rate since Starcade 95. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is good. why I'm thinking. This is why I'm thinking that we're we're getting there. If we're not quite... Like, maybe it's... We're at that point. Have you ever ridden... There's a roller coaster in Alton Towers in England called Oblivion. I've not, but go on. Tell, tell me your... It, it was billed as the f- world's first vertical drop roller coaster. And there's a bit before you do the vertical drop where it hangs you over the vertical drop. Okay. And I think maybe at worst, I think we're at that point where it's teasing you over, teasing you with the vertical drop. And maybe Russo is the bit that tips you. Well, I think we can, we can now solidly make the argument that Road World was that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we just didn't realise at the time because, you know, it's rolled wild and that crowd is always shit anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, I was looking at the... Um, so, the best um, page I've seen for collating all these results, mm. uh, WrestleNomics have a complete... a graph of the complete history of buy rates for WCW, which is where I've been sourcing these as long as I've been saying the buy rates on this show. Mm. Um, I, I have thank God the lads <laughs> I have this uh, bookmarked um, I think this was yet yeah, Chris Harrington did this in, in 2014 God bless you Mookie um, Whatever happened but, to that uh, guy <laughs> I don't know I have never heard of him since he's, I think he's gone off to run that orphanage with El Generico no, Possibly possibly. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm looking here at we go fall brawl uh, 130,000 now it does jump right back up to two hundred and thirty thousand next month for Halloween Havoc. Okay, but then it starts a decline that doesn't stop. So, um, like we we've got. I'll, I'll give you the the up until June the following year, right? So I'll give you. We got we got two hundred and thirty thousand next month. Two hundred thousand after that. A hundred and forty five thousand. 115,000, 70,000, 60,000, 115,000, 65,000, 85,000. You can see where we're going mm-hmm. with this. I just, I can't understand how Fall Brawl, like what, was it the build to this? Was it the... Now, coming... remember we were reading in The Observer that until two weeks ago, they didn't actually have a single match. Yeah. 
that they they knew was going to be on the show. So it could be poor advertising because I know even sometimes WCW and WWF do this as well, and WWE still do it, where sometimes they will advertise matches in local markets that haven't been built to on TV yet. Mm -hmm. So even if you... um, watching it in isolation now don't know the word may have been out that this was the match that was being built um but uh yeah this seems a particularly like from what dave was saying a poor pay-per-view cycle in terms of planning um and yeah it just took a hit and like maybe part of the reason that it jumps right back up next month um is that like it's Halloween Havoc. Like, Halloween Havoc is yeah, one of their legacy, big four. Like, show, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You'd expect the kind of the bash, Starcade, um, Halloween Havoc, and God, what else? Would you would you, would you you put anything else in that? Yeah, Great American Bash, maybe? Yeah, Slambery. Yeah. I mean, WCW yeah. pay-per-views are weird. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> we've, well, we've got Mayhem coming in two months as well. Let's not forget. Oh, God. Um, um, but yeah, I just like I, there's just something about this month, and maybe I'd, I'd go along with you and say maybe Road Wild and the the couple of weeks of TV around that maybe the actual point I'm I'm looking for here, and mm. we're seeing the aftershock. I, that's what I have um, to put down to the fact that it then jumped so like just back to normal for Halloween Havoc. Like that yeah. to me would speak to well, there was obviously some intrigue coming out of the yeah. show. This was this like I said, this is one hundred and thirty thousand. Just to give you a rewind, like back in February, for Super Bowl nine, they did four hundred and eighty-five thousand. Fucking hell! You know, <laughs> like that's, that's insane. That's like, so we're at the buy rate is a third of what it was in February. That is insane. That's a seven-month gap, like. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but I can't like, you know, I now it seems already going into it. And this should make for interesting discussion that I hated this show a lot more than you did. You did. Yeah. Now, um, I, I want to say I thought the opening two matches were solid and over delivered. Yeah. Then I thought the middle portion of the show was absolute garbage. Yeah. And then the closing portion, like the closing 45 minutes, 50 minutes of the show was actually quite decent. interesting because i think uh, to me i think the stuff that was bad was yeah outright bad and then the stuff that maybe wasn't as bad to watch was confounded me in certain ways um sometimes with whether it was booking or making people look dumb or yeah well look we'll get into it we'll get into it um we've got a this whole pay-per-view is built around who can sting trust um what did you think of the Fall Brawl stage? I liked because it. Because I, I really went back and forth on it. Yeah, I, I liked it. The, the, the red logo, like, it, I thought it was um, pretty good. And it seemed just a little bit different than anything we've seen previously. Yeah. At first, I was gonna, I was fixing to write a whole paragraph about how much I hated it. Because it's like, oh, it's just a big sign. I was like, there's no ingenuity put into it at all. But then when they started, when wrestlers started coming out, you're seeing that it's actually a video screen mm-hmm. behind the lettering. And I was like, okay, that's a little, uh, yeah, okay, I'll give him that, I'll give him that. Um, now, you, anyway. you couldn't see much on the video screen, but it was interesting. No, you could see that it was a video screen, yeah. but you couldn't see anything that was on it. 
Um, and it was funny because I feel like maybe they'd realize that you couldn't. So when Lenny and Lodi are coming out for their match later, they actually point out that you can see them on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was funny. But uh, what have we got here? So, oh, I tell you what, I love the announce table. The announce table is done out in this kind of new, you know, um, it's a newish shape. It's got the Fall Brawl logo on it, and it's like got this red lighting on it that I think it looks really cool. I didn't actually take note of that. It, it's actually really, it's really boss looking. Uh, and they said, who? yeah, who can you trust as the team of the night? All titles will be defended, and Benoit and Sid want each other bad. Uh, <laughs> we get a, they throw to an ICP music video to start off uh, the show. Um, and uh, <laughs> Bobby Heenan was uh, loudly musing as like, are they wrestlers or musicians? And even ICP themselves in this video package are wondering which they are. Um, it turns out I really hope they're musicians because they are not much of a wrestling duo. Um, our opening tag team match, six-man tag team match, the Deadpool, Shaggy 2 Dope, Vampiro, and Violent J versus the Filthy Animals, Eddie Guerrero, Kidman, and Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, even though I kind of slated the crowd a little bit in the intro, this was a promising start for them because this crowd were super into Ray and Eddie. They, they really were. Like, I'll, I'll even give Kidman, they were into Kidman. Like, there was, like, a lot of audible female voices for, for Kidman. Um, mm. I just want to go back to your point. I just want to say that Violent J is the far superior of the wrestling clowns. Um, yeah. Shaggy Hugh Lope has, has no fucking business being in the ring. Which is funny because, like, again, because Violent J is the bigger guy, you would kind of, and, like, looks more visibly out of shape. Mm. You would think it would be the flip reverse of what you've said, but you're right, because, like, that big boy hits a moonsault. He does, and, he, he, you know? like, he's quite, um, like, don't get me wrong, he's not good. But, like... But he doesn't, sh- he doesn't embarrass himself. No. No. Uh, although, like, if Shaggy Tudo made his trousers falling down a regular part of the act, <laughs> then we'd probably feel a little bit dif- different. Um... So, yeah, they kind of lean into the crowd reaction for the first couple of minutes and do a lot of stalling and kind of, you know, egging on the crowd to keep making noise. Um, Now, here's a moment where you absolutely are vindicated. So the heels threaten to leave, but then we get in and there's kind of, I don't know why, but the first couple of minutes of this match, maybe it's to get him out of the way so he can spend most of the rest of the match on the apron, but it's Shaggy 2 dope being beaten up by the baby faces. And I have never seen a man botch being in a wheelbarrow suplex position before <laughs> yeah that was uh it was not pretty like all you have to do is keep your hands on the mat and your arms straight and he just like doesn't he drops <laughs> he manages to drop himself face first unbelievable um so yeah it's the baby faces teaming up on shaggy for the first couple of minutes uh violent J to <laughs> to taunt the baby faces pats his belly uh kamala style uh gets tagged in and weirdly adopts a sumo stance for no reason at all i was getting flashbacks to big show and akibono oh god um i i was also struck by and i know he's been dressed like this for a little while it's like ray is just tiny eminem yeah this, this was the was this his debut of the like really shit blonde die job yeah yeah. Um, he's had it he's had it tighter and a little blonde before but this is the proper like this is the the M&M yeah he's, he's literally wearing baggy jeans and white tank top and blonde hair like it's fucking it's so on the nose yeah 
Um, in succession, each heal. Yeah. So this is kind of like, again, it's classic. You know, we're not overthinking this opening match fair because you have everybody tags in in different combos and the heels get embarrassed and then they tag out to a new heel and a new baby face comes in. Uh, then we settle into the actual proper meat of the match with Vampiro getting some heat on Conan. Conan? He hits... What? You said Conan? Oh, sorry, Kidman. Kidman, sorry. <laughs> Conan, what am I like? Uh, he hits... Oh, he hits Eddie with a stiff-ass powerbomb. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, sorry. He hits Kidman with a stiff-ass powerbomb and Eddie has to break up the pin. I'm all over the place here in this bit. Um, Kidman fires up. Vampiro leapfrogs and then shoulder tackles him, hits a spinning wheel kick off the top, and I got a little bit of a shriek because when he did the spinning wheel kick, I saw him try to plant the leg, and I'm like, don't. Oh, God. I didn't notice don't that. I, I saw the spinning wheel kick, and it looked great, but I didn't notice yeah, him trying to plant it. To pla- he tries to plant his leg, and I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, well, speak, speaking of planting their Billy leg, Sullivan it's at this point, just after this, that Ray's knee explodes. As the clowns. No, Ray, Ray's knee fucking gets destroyed outside. So here's the thing. He's not actually hurt. Because he wrestles for another month. What? Yes. So, (laughs) they beat Harlem Heat for the tag titles on Nitro about a month from now. And that's when he gets hurt and has to go out. Hang on, hang on. So he just dead-celled for no reason in this match. So my guess is either this is one of the best sell jobs ever, or he did tweak the knee... Or maybe if you want to be super cynical, is like he did blow out the knee, but he tried to work through it for a month. That's fucking insanity. Like he, he literally could not walk on the leg. But he, from from what I saw, it looked like yeah. genuine. Like he, well, that's he, what I was like. He literally just I got knew, thrown to the guardrail. I remember that they had to. They had to, like he, he won titles. the tag team title and then was immediately gone. Fuck's sake. Um, so I was like. But they haven't won it yet. So, like, is he... I don't remember. Am I wrong in remembering this? And I, I, I looked it up on Wikipedia. And as now I know it's in October Nitro where he's he's gone. Um, and he's gone until, like, early 2000. Um, so, yeah. Mad. But uh, it was, like, it... It made for very compelling viewing. Um, once he got fucked up. Yeah, the, the the match became much more interesting. Yeah. Um so this is yeah, this happens after Jay clotheslines Ray over the top, they whip him into the fence and he's immediately selling the knee. Uh the thing that made it seem like he really jerked the knee and this wasn't part of the plan was that the match kind of fell apart for about a minute. Mm-hmm. It seemed like no one knew what they were doing, but you don't know whether that is because the knee is legit or because the clowns are shit. Like um, but the fact that the match was pretty like well held together up to that point would make me think it was yeah. a legit injury. So I like, I'm thinking he cranked it. That's that's what I'm leaning towards now because there's like, I'd like to think with a man that has been through I think two serious knee injuries at this point already at least, um, he wouldn't try to work through a fully blown out knee for a month. Like he should know better than that. Uh, so I gotta think maybe he cranked it and when he got backstage iced it a couple it of days later he's, he's fine yeah. yeah 
Uh, what would actually be interesting to... I don't know if you want to take this match for a second. I might look and see did he wrestle much between this show and that Nitro, okay. which might be a bit telling. Um, I mean, at this point, I think, that, like you said, the match was kind of... They, they're they not really sure what to do. I think one, one of the clowns like grabs a rest hold at one point because he's just terrified of doing anything. Um, so eventually they, they work away to get Ray to make a tag. I think Vampiro kind of just... just like drags him to the corner and like pretend like fakes that he's trying to keep him away um so then I, the next note i have is violent J does a nice looking side block slam to eddie and shaggy hits a guillotine leg drop which is probably the like the most coordinated move he does in the whole match <laughs> it's not a high bar to clear but yeah I, I i give you that i say that because the next note i have is that jesus christ vampiro and shaggy Tudo nearly broke eddie's neck on a 3d mm. uh i don't know if it was a 3d they were especially going for or if it was a flapjack or what the fuck it was but whatever it was they nearly killed the man yeah <laughs> uh, uh, so this is the 12th okay so yeah he ca- he definitely can't have actually hurt himself properly on this one because he wrestles he wrestles tonight he wrestles two days later at the Saturday night taping, wrestles the house shows all weekend, wrestles the two nitros after that, uh, another Saturday night, two thunders, two, three more nitros. Yeah, he's working regularly. Like, he's on pretty much every TV show and some of the Saturday nights up until the 18th oh god no because he's still jesus okay so he's uh, what i've heard is that he hurt himself in the october match but he works two more nitros after that and i don't know if it's like they do a smoke and mirrors thing okay um because they they work a mixed tag match uh in november where it's Asia and Dean Malenko versus Ray and Tori. And, uh, oh, God. Do you know who uh, who they drop the belts to? Creative Control? Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> and if people don't know who Creative Control are, fucking buckle up. Patrick and Gerald. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it gets so bad, and then yeah, he's gone until May. Okay, so it's then that he's gone. Okay, where he returns in a battle royal on Thunder. Oh my God! The fucking company for the number one contendership for the world heavyweight title. At least it wasn't a cruiserweight title contendership. Yeah. Yeah. God, we've got so many, oh, I got so many fucking horrible gimmicks and people to come. Did you hear his first three matches back? I know we're getting really off the point. And it's only match one, but like, so there's that big battle royal, right? Okay. Which he does not win, of course. <laughs> Shocker. He's then in the four on one St. Louis, a four on two handicap St. Louis street fight on the on the eighth of May. 
which is Billy Kidman, Mike Awesome, and the Filthy Animals versus Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. Oh, God. Which goes two minutes, 27 seconds. Oh, God. And then his next match after that is the Horace will be fired if he loses four-on-one handicap falls count anywhere Texas death I quit match. Sorry, can you just repeat all them gimmicks? I will. The Horace will be fired if he loses four-on-one handicap falls count anywhere Texas death I quit match, which goes six minutes. I hope Horace is one of the four. (laughs) No, he's not. It's... It's Billy Hoovy, Conan, and Ray versus Horace. And it went six minutes. And then he's immediately in a hardcore title match on the next Nitro. Oh, God. That's what... A three-on-one handicap. Terry Funk versus the Filthy Animals. Well, Dave, when you have a generational all-time great cruiserweight like Rey Mysterio, what else are you supposed to do with him? And then literally the next week, they're wrestling the Misfits in action. Oh, my God. What a time to be alive. I can't wait to get to that in two years. Ah, oh, fuck me. Ah, oh, I mean that's made me smile, but it's also made me realize we have to cover all that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we don't know anyway. because by that point, the thunder may just be its own fucking entity. Yeah, true. Ah. Oh. Anyway, Kidman hits the SSP and the the whatever this group is called win. Yeah, I was reading up. Um, I was reading up while you were talking. But uh, I didn't hear. Did you mention about how the heels nearly killed Billy Kidman? No, I didn't. Or no, sorry, not Billy Kidman. Sorry, it was Eddie. Eddie with the 3D. Yeah. Or the flapjack, yes. whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned it. was like, a, yeah, one of them thought it was a flapjack. One of them thought it was a 3D. <laughs> and Eddie just ends up, like, landing on top of his own head on the ground. Mm. Fuck. Um, we get the... After this match, we get the uh, the revolution in the internet location. And uh, Saturn, Perry Saturn, loves wanking, Lee. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because he's just like, you telling me I can download pictures of the Nitro Girls onto my PC? <laughs> Fair enough. And the Revolution are guaranteeing a clean sweep tonight. And I just want people to remember that. The baby faces have made a guarantee. Uh-huh. Just want everybody to remember that. Um, Something that I think was my highlight of the show, when they cut back to the crowd and they do these wide you know shots that they always do of the crowd thrusting their signs in the air and there's one woman I think I couldn't tell if it was uh, a mother or a father a parent anyway thrusting their child in the air like it was a sign <laughs> fair enough it's so fucking I really need to go I, I actually it would be nice because I can't I, I've never made a gift in my life if somebody can get this bit that's like right before the, the Lenny versus Kaz match of somebody just thrusting their child into the air like fucking Simba at the start of the Lion King and then shaking them about. <laughs> fucking great parenting. It's like, like you know the way you hear um, Cornette always talk about, you know, when crowds are exciting, it's like women were throwing their babies in the air. This is literally that. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway... Uh, World Cruiserweight title match Lenny versus Kaz Hayashi um, I laughed but then I guess it kind of was true that they pointed out this is probably the biggest match of Kaz Hayashi's life at this point um, going for a uh, getting a pay-per-view singles title match um, 
against Lenny, and it feels kind of appropriate that we're covering Kaz on a pay-per-view here because Kazayashi has announced his retirement in real life. Okay, uh, I didn't realize that uh, Kaz had announced his retirement. Jesus, it, I suppose, like, when you think about it, he was a guy on excursion in, like, 98, so the fact that he's made it to 2024 is a pretty damn full career. Yeah, he's like, um, I guess if you're only an American wrestling fan, you probably didn't think too much of him past the the end of WCW, but it's like, it's such a long fucking career that he's like, it's like nearly a 30 year career. Yeah. I, 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 as far as like, again, I'm not the biggest kind of puro guy, but I think he had a decent run in, in all Japan at, at one point as like their junior ace. And he's kind of been in and out of, I think he was in around like a lot of the Muto promotions. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's a guy that had a, a pretty good career. I'd say. Yeah, and and one that like I I imagine a a, a Kaz Hayashi comp would be pretty fucking enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what did you think of this match? Because I I think we we talked about how um, it felt to me that we're they're trying to do the thing of like you know bolting the door after that the horses or closing the door after the horse is already bolted where um now that he's champion they're trying to make people believe that that lenny is a legitimate threat and whereas once again i think we have to go like he's he's a decent wrestler um i don't think anyone in the crowd gives a shit because of like what they've done to him over the years yeah i think they've like you said they've, they've kind of killed lenny before they even tried it. um but I give him a lot of credit. I thought he worked hard here. Um, I thought I think he's worked hard, like a lot recently. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've toned down the gay panic. Like it, it's yeah, not they're, as prominent. They're with the brothers thing. At yeah, the it's not as prominent. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, they still have to decorate the title, and yeah. Lenny still has the pigtails, and they still have the glitter on the body. But it's not like <laughs> it's not as you know. In your face, shall we say, um, and they're not doing as much of it for he as they as they were at the beginning of this Lenny and Lodi push. Um, but I thought Lenny and Kaz had pretty decent chemistry. I thought the match like over delivered for what I was expecting. Um, yeah, like Kaz, this is probably his first pay per view match. Um, pay per view singles, quite possibly. Um, and I, I thought they worked well. I thought they, they utilized the time they had well. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Mm. He, uh, I, I did just double check there, though. So his retirement will be in June. He announced on the, the, the most recent Glee show. Him being a Glee guy shouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Garrett and Liam obviously um, big fans of Cass. Yeah, yeah. And yet they didn't tell us that he was retiring. That's yeah, disgraceful. I mean, this is fucking Gary Kidney, what to expect. <laughs> never sure. Uh, never shares his views. <laughs> I was gonna say you have to pay you have to pay him for that kind of privilege, but I do pay him. I'm a proud <laughs> member of the you gotta be kidding me Patreon. But I guess I gotta be subscribed to his delete Patreon oh, yeah. to get that kind of information. Um but yeah, like I thought this was kind of I thought Kaz was great. Kaz, like and that's not 
you know, massively surprising. And I thought Lenny more than held up his end. But unfortunately, this was the start of a crowd not giving a fuck. And what also didn't help was that the uh, the commentary team didn't give a fuck about this match. Yeah. Like, li- literally as soon as the bell rang, it was time to talk about Lex and Sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one thing I want to say, there was at one point, and I fucking hate that we have to say this, there was at one point a very audible F-word chant from the crowd right at yeah. the beginning of the match. So, you know, they were invested enough to say that. Yeah. Um, but I don't... I I, I, I feel awful that the, the term was used, but I don't feel bad for WCW because <sighs> they dug their own graves. This was the kind of reaction they were courting. They were seeking, yeah. Um, so they are not innocent by any stretch in here. It's not like, oh, you know, poor innocent WCW are getting, you know, dragged down by this southern crowd. It's like, no, this this was the kind of reaction they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, part of, you know, them running a lot in the South, which was uh, much more homophobic then than it even is now. Hard as that may be for some of our younger listeners to believe. Um... I, I think that will have in no small part helped, you know, um, by leaning so hard into stereotypes, helped the perception that Lenny is not someone to be taken seriously by these fans. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Um, and it sucks. It's uh, in a company that is characterized by some of the all-time worst and most insensitive angles and uh, characters in a major wrestling company. Uh, this is one of the ones that uh, has aged worst, even by their standards. Absolutely. Um, there was some good stuff in this match, though. Um, I I think it was like relatively unspectacular. Like I don't know if I'd go much more above like a three star on this. Um, but you had stuff like um, there's some good Hurricane Ranas in here from Kaz. Um, you had uh, a great running Liger Bomb spot uh, where Lenny just gets his foot on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that the crowd were into whenever they thought it was the finish, but any time that they were just doing moves or doing dies or anything like that, they didn't really care. Um, so, like for example. Kaz does a couple of really cool spots, including that running Liger Bomb. The running Liger Bomb uh, pin attempt gets a pop. So does uh, he attempts a forward roll uh, pin. That gets a pop. But then everything in between is like silent as the crypt. Um, Kaz goes up top. Uh, Instead of going for Lenny, he uh, opts to tackle Lodi on the apron. Lenny nearly rolls him up. And then Lenny hits the skull crushing finale for the win. (laughs) Yeah, I actually forgot he'd been using that um, before Jarrett got into the company. So, um, yeah, that, that that caught me by surprise. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good match, like you say, apart from, you know, um, the fans being awful and WCW fucking can't help themselves but killing a guy before they even try and push him. It's, um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, I I feel for the guy, you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Look, of, of all the people to blame here, I don't think Lenny is to blame at all. I would be inclined to agree. I would be inclined to agree. Um, 
Right, where are we at now after uh, this one? Yes, so Gene is in the ring, uh, puts over the main event and calls out Sting. Sting could be, and it's kind of funny to, to think about it, uh, how many world title reigns he had, but this could be nine times world champion tonight. Um, there's a lot of people claiming they're back on this show. Both <laughs> him and Hogan claim they're back. So he says, I'm back. And I'm back in black, and tonight it's showtime. Didn't really say much else. Um, I thought it was interesting to have, like, you know, big baby face Sting who's going to be challenging for the world title tonight. It really goes against the conventional wrestling idea that you don't have the big baby face appear in front of the live crowd before he comes out for the match because you the, you can't recapture the, the first, first pop, big yeah, pop that, of the it, night. That's exactly what we know is it's, it's so unusual on a pay-per-view to have one of the main event come out and do a promo. Like, it, it, now, in, it's a Monday night like um trope obviously to get them out in front yeah. of the crowd early but like doing it on pay-per-view just makes no sense now in hindsight you wonder if because of the angle that was happening at the end of the match tonight did sting just want his baby face pop separate from what he was gonna have to do did, at the end i don't know did they want sting coming out for so he got the cooler reaction for the main event entrance? yeah, it, it, yeah maybe. maybe but we'd absolutely be given credit to a company that doesn't deserve it uh, yeah, maybe it was Hogan's idea to have him come out so he got the bigger baby yeah, face possibly. pop in the main event. That's more likely the way WCW would think about it. Um, so we get a, a preview video for the next match. And that's something that I suppose in a production sense, it's something we should say that WCW are now doing regularly on shows, although we didn't mention it much yet tonight, is that everyone's getting a video package. Yeah, every, every match, we'll give them credit, every match had a good video package explaining the feud and why the match is taking place on the show. Mm-hmm. No disqualification tag team match. The first family versus the Revolution. So Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris, Dean Malenko and Shane Douglas. Can, can I say something? Is it that this match sucks? This match was absolute dog shit. This is the worst match I think I've ever seen Dean Malenko in on this show. Easily, easily. Um. I, I genuinely don't think this match has any redeeming features. I, I hated this. Um, it's the beginning of a real down period in the, in the run of the show. I just thought it was absolute bollocks and it should not have been on the show. Like, this is a fucking... This is a second hour Nitro match at best. First family look like a Saturday night exclusive tag team. Like fucking Hugh Morris's beard looks awful. He looks like he smells like piss. Like um, Brian Nobbs is still wearing fucking nasty boys gear. Shane Dog Shane what Douglas comes here? out to do their own ring introduction and accidentally says they're in Saginaw. Oh yeah, uh, Douglas's entrance, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh um, and then yeah, like just uh, they do like really weak sauce walk and brawl because like what else can you do with knobs and Hugh Morris? And then like it's mostly knobs in the match. He can't wrestle, he can't sell, so of course you have to build a match around this guy. Uh, and then we get Morris and Malenko, which I guess is the best combination you can have in this match, which tells you where what the quality of this. And then just Hugh Morris just wins clean. With a moonsault? Yeah, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, of all the things, like, they promised a clean sweep, remember? 
And of all the matches they had on this show, the four of them, you'd be like, well, this is the one that's the like the easiest for them to like give them a win. You know? I know, gotta got have the first family going over on pay-per-view. It means nothing to have... Like, you're trying to get them over as a new babyface team that are going to be moving up the card and challenging for belts, and they can't even beat these well, guys. are they going to be moving up the card and challenging for belts? Because yes. you say that, but... I mean, they're yeah. not getting pushed as such. No, they seem to be the only ones thinking they will be, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I thought this was awful. And really, really profoundly disappointing. Yeah, I mean, like, we were both kind of like, yeah, understand why Douglas is brought in and put with these guys. And already they're just being buried. It, it's no wonder they were fucking pissed off in this company. Yeah. Out of the frying pan and into the fire, it's Rick Steiner versus Perry Saturn for the television title. We love Perry Saturn. Love him. But, like, he couldn't do anything here. I am fucking sick of Rick Steiner. Yep. All the matches are the same, and it's not even the same in a way that's good. They're all bad. Like, literally, the second move in this match is Steiner trying to crossface Saturn's fucking nose off. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, because it's not even getting the... It's one thing if you're stiffing a guy and it's getting great reactions from the crowd. Like, they think it's real. He's roughing up dudes for no reason. And he's not getting any reaction for it. Like, he gets a reaction to the barking. But that's, I think, muscle memory from the crowd more than anything. It's call and response. Yeah. Which, as as we've seen in 2023, will still get a reaction. Yeah. Um... Uh, fucking, like, I don't, like, what more can we say about fucking Rick Steiner TV title matches they're fucking shy he fucking won it felt like about four hours long and Steiner wins with the Steiner Bulldog clean like and again you have the second straight match where the babyface team that promised a clean sweep are now 0-2 like so fucking dumb mm-hmm you just didn't have to have them say they were going to do a clean sweep and it wouldn't have, like, I still think they should have won both of these matches. Oh, they should have. They should have had both these matches in the bag going into the t- into the US title match because that was the big or, match. Or if you didn't want Perry Saturn to win the TV title yet, you don't have to put him in a TV title match. I'm sorry, Dave, but the TV title doesn't fucking matter. You can just drop it back no. next night. And even by WCW, even by WCW's standards, since we started this podcast, I think this might be the worst title reign. This Rick oh, Steiner easy. TV title like, run. We, I hate it. The Finley run. Yeah. By the end of it, both of us were fucking just like Finley as dog shit. But my God, I would take a hundred day Finley TV title matches over whatever this has been with Rick Steiner. Yeah. <sighs> we get Hogan being annoyed at people assuming he'll betray Sting. He repeats himself about three times in this promo how he swore on his kids, he swore on the red and yellow, he uh, he wants Sting at his best when he beats him. I believe he, I believe he said he wants Sting at 190% Dave. Yes. What you gotta love about WCW is when they're doing a show so bad that 
this crowd in the Carolinas are just handing we want flair and boy howdy they were not getting flair oh no No, Ric Flair is not coming back anytime well he may come back soon but he's definitely not coming back on this show yeah um next up and we should have alluded to it in the last match because they mentioned that Buff Bagwell and I do not understand this at all but they do an angle on this show where Buff Bagwell isn't there to do his match with Berlin, so they find a replacement. And at no notice, you may have heard on our go-home show on Thunder how appalled Lee was by this, the last-minute replacement for Buff Bagwell is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, man, like, where in, like, the bells of whatever building they're in have they found Hacksaw Jim Duggan? The man hasn't, like, we haven't seen him in how long? It's a long time, man, because, like, I was thinking there is a certain element to which I was like, ah, oh, like, you know, the, like the story of like him getting over the cancer mm. and being able to wrestle again. You're kind of like, oh, fair play, Hacksaw. But um, like, I, I'm, I'm having a look here at his matches. Like, it's not like this. This isn't his first match back either. He has been around in 1999. I'm guessing he's been on Saturday night a lot. Like, We've just been kind of avoiding him. There's been a lot of Saturday night, a lot of house shows. Um, I'm going back to try and find um, the last time he was on television, apart from Saturday night. Uh, so we haven't seen him on the show um, since August 1998. Wrestling, wow. he beat Barry Darso. He was on. He was on an episode of Nitro, but I don't think it's one we saw. Um, Nitro 196. Which was um, that was his oh, so that was his first match back was Nitro one ninety six in April ninety nine so he was so he's off been from, back since April basically he's been back since April but that was his only non Saturday night or worldwide TV appearance um, yeah so the yeah the Nitro he came back on was the one with the leadership of NWO Black and White Battle Royale oh, oh. did we watch that one no. No, we didn't. I think we saw a good old recap of it on Thunder. Yeah. Oh, you see, what I was confused was there was a um, a world title four way in the main event, but it's not that one. It's not, not the one with the Sting DDP yeah. back yeah. and forth. It's the it's the one where Ric Flair is champion. Okay. Uh, um, Flair, Page, Goldberg, and Hogan. Um. So yeah, this is his this is his first pay per view match in a long long time uh in fact since bash at the beach 1996 he hasn't had a pay-per-view singles match that's unbelievable like that yeah that's like a whole other era it's the whole it's the whole of this era yeah. like because you know that is the the, the start of this oh, yeah. boom yeah. yeah so like he has been off pay-per-view with the exception of like i was going back through his his match records to get that stat when his last pay-per-view match was and so, he he's done world war threes He's okay. done a couple of them. Um, and then there might have been another multi-man match in there. But in terms of like pay-per-view singles, this is his first one. It was the taped fist match oh, with God, DDP. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Awful. Um, so before we get into the whole how nonsensical the Buff Bagwell story is here. Yeah. Can we talk about how dog shit this match was? It was really bad. Like, this was like... There's like that classic wrestling sensibility of like, we'll book the evil foreigner against the rah-rah American guy and get him heat for winning. But like genuinely, like 
Dogen is so washed at this point that he made Berlin look terrible. Oh, and like he refused to sell. Yeah. He was proper doing, like, not Rick Steiner levels of no-selling or Meng levels of no-selling, but, like, there were long periods of this match where he was just he just wasn't reacting to, to like, strikes or anything like that. He just and, wasn't having it. Like, there seemed to be parts of the match where the two of them were legit fucking shooting on each other, like, like wrestling yeah. takedowns and... But again, it kind of like we say with Rick Steiner, not in a way that had a crowd interested in that. No, like you know? it wasn't good. And like this, this is a guy that's supposed to be um, like you know one of your top mid card heels. This is his wrestling debut in the gimmick, and he just gets fucking sandbagged. Yeah, um, it's it's really bad because like not only is he not selling loads of Berlin's offense in the first half of the match, but as well, like, the match is built to make him look like he's no big danger to to Duggan. Like, Duggan is just beating him up for a yeah. lot of this match. It, it, it's fucking, it's so bad. Like, just, like, this is the worst example of legends, in, in air quotes, uh, legends, you know, yeah. refusing to put over the next, the next gen. It's like, because it's one of the simplest things in wrestling psychology to, like, debut a hot new character. Is just have him win. Mm-hmm. Have him win decisively. And, like, it's such a basic thing to fail at. You can't tell me there was no one on that whole roster who wasn't willing to do, like, a clean job and make him look good. That it had to be Duggan. The card you needed was a six, seven minute match here. Let, yeah. let Berlin get a couple of, you know, decent looking moves in. Yeah, hit his finish, which I'm assuming is supposed to be this fucking rude awakening neckbreaker, and which oh my god, oh, you want to talk about ah, just like Duggan doesn't know what position to be in. Alex Wright didn't know what position to be in. They fall at different times. It's, it's just bad. Um, like there's no real point to talk about the match. The match is dog shit. Um, no. Bagwell, do we think was, Bagwell uh, refused the job here? Well, given what we know about the cat situation yes. from a month ago. That's what I'm like thinking. he's he's clearly like one of the people who's getting paranoid about his wins and losses his in a fake sport. On the card. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he is like we know he's being punished for that. So like would I believe he's digging his heels in? Yes, I would. Do I know that for a fact? Not yet. Yeah, I suppose we'll just have to wait until we see what the observer says on uh, the next thunder and the next next uh, Meltzer bit we do. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly seems to me that Bagwell is either being punished here and being taken off the pay per view, which doesn't seem yeah. like much of a punishment for a WCW wrestler, or he's refusing the, the job. It, it's weird to say because I'm I'm not sure he was shifting any buys himself, but it feels like more of a punishment for the fans. Um, yeah, because I don't think. Bagwell is like by doing it after the last TV broadcast like if it just feels punitive like unless Mm. it's like literally day of he refused to do it Um, anything's possible I suppose yeah like it will again we'll get because I'm sure there's some people that know that are already screaming at us but we like to discover things as we go with the timeline Mm. so um, one thing I'm pretty confident about is that if there is anything to it Dave will have it pretty quick because what I'm learning from the more we read the Observer on the normal Thunder shows is that WCW is the leakiest ship on earth at the moment like (laughs) everybody is talking about everything like it's I actually yeah it is considerably worse than like AEW was last year um, because it, like 
I guess maybe not because there's people that are willing to basically like at least with the AEW stuff people talking to reporters last year people were trying to at least shroud a little bit who was talking to him mm. whereas like with WCW it's like such a fucking idiot factory that like no one is even bothering to try yeah, yeah. you don't have to read much between the lines to figure out who's running to Dave with certain mm-hmm. stories you know um but, but yeah, this was like a horrible, horrible way to kick off your your new character. Um, like, I, I, th- I think the music isn't great. I think the look is pretty interesting. Um, especially, like, you think about it in the context of 1999. Like, Matrix is mm-hmm. uh, one of the biggest movies of 1999. And it is that kind of, like, cyberpunky, goth, you know, European techno club look. There was something there, definitely, with with the whole look and like, yeah. The, I think the music could have been improved upon, but the yeah. the look and presentation, there was something definitely there with the wall and stuff. And they've definitely hit um, the the Cold War angle to it, like much too late. Like it's literally oh, yeah. ten years since the wall fell, and you're doing the like the German anti-imperialist. Berlin and the wall bit like you know it's 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 typical wrestling is that's what people always say like the fashion and everything like that in wrestling everything is 10 years behind where the real world is like people are still wearing Zubas and uh, carrying fanny packs now uh, in wrestling Uh, but yeah what can you do this was the one thing is like it was interesting to note that the wall still isn't officially named at this point still, still doesn't have a name just the unnamed bodyguard he is a personal bodyguard. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. There is uh, there's a there's one of those telling bowling shoe ugly type lines from Bobby Heenan during the match as well that I want to make note to because like Bobby is at least like he's not bad tonight. He's not great, but he's like he's still in the phase of like he's just calling a spade a spade, and he goes, uh, what he says, boy, there's nothing fancy about hacksaw Jim Duggan. He says. <laughs> I feel like Duggan's been, or uh, Bobby's been burying Duggan on commentary since like fucking 1988, basically. Yeah. Um. What I got to say, I, I suppose, in, in closing about the match is that that finish that we were talking about, the, the, the neck breaker, um, got an absolutely silent reaction. One, because the bump was so bad. And two, it's like, I know you're trying to establish a guy's new finisher, but like... <sighs> it doesn't look any different from a standard neck breaker. Yeah. So like wrestling, it's like trying to get the like, God, what would be an equivalent? Like the diving ax handle over as a finisher now. Uh, like it's just or the sleeper. Like it's just not happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a move now. It's being killed. Like it's, do you know what I mean? Like if, if John Moxley, right? When he, sh- when he started doing the, the dirty deeds or the, the paradigm shift, the death rider, if he was just doing a, bog standard ddt yes like that's not getting over as a finish Mm -hmm. um doing the double arm and doing the elevation and stuff like that and you know that's what gets it and like berlin isn't even doing a like i'm doing my berlin taunt to let you know that there's a special move coming uh they're doing nothing to communicate that this is the big spot you need to react to um well to be fair if he had something like that planned we wouldn't know because dugan just (laughs) was having none of it yeah yeah Um, but yeah no total shit show yeah one thing i was very sad about in the next segment is we get the um the the hype package for the world tag team title match and something we missed on nitro we missed the famous stevie ray corpsing promo 
Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, they shit. show the clip right before he starts laughing. Like I, you, you know, you, as soon as you see, yeah, it, I know, you know, I know what, the clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So the, yeah, we missed that. Unfortunately, I it oh, must damn. have been on the. I think it was on the go home nitro. Um, sad to have missed that, but um. Yeah, it's not the uh, it's not the last great Stevie Ray moment we'll have before the end of the company. Uh, this brings us to the WCW World Tag Team Title match: the West Texas Rednecks uh, of Barry and Kendall Windham with Kurt Hennig versus Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray. Um, I have to commend uh, a member of the crowd, sign of the night here, and rightfully held on by the camera for a couple of seconds. The West Texas Rednecks are just mad because their wives left them, their dogs died, and their pickup trucks are broken down. Great. It was a great turn. Yeah. That is brilliant. Um, I have a question for you, Dave. Yeah. If you had to guess, how old do you think Kendall Wyndham was at that point in 1999? Like, God bless him. And I know it's I know he's much younger than this, but he looked to be in his mid forties. He looked to be the oldest person in the ring. Dave, that man was thirty one years of age. Yeah. 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 He doesn't turn thirty two until December ninety nine. Yeah. Cause I know he he dies like a couple of years after yeah, this, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was just like I remember being shocked that I think he died the same age as I am now. I was like, Jesus Christ um that's horrifying but uh yeah he like <clears throat> in terms of the genetic lottery those poor Wyndham boys once they hit their 30s like just went to shit because mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not like barry's a fucking looker no, at the Bar- moment Bar- either. barry didn't hold up at all either old belly top barry <laughs> um there is a great i was um i text you about this match because you needed to take a break after the duggan match yes and i said to you Oh, you said, I'm hoping that if I'm well-rested, this pay-per-view will be any better. And I just said to you, it's not, but pay close attention to Booker T in this match, because Booker T wrestles like a man who's trying to save this pay-per-view by himself. <laughs> and to be fair, to be fair to you, you are correct. He he does most of the heavy lifting in this match. Um, Like, early on, it's all Booker getting shine. Yep. And the match is fine. Then Stevie comes in to get his shine, and the match was slows to a fucking death yeah um when the windows are on top the match is fucking horrendous yeah that's why I, I wrote that booker is trying to save the pay-per-view good luck chief because you have three anchors strapped to you and like i think i think i text you and i was watching it and i was like the good thing about booker getting beat down is it's booker and he'll sell well the bad yeah. thing about booker getting beat down is that he has to make the hot tag to stevie and sure enough stevie's hot tag is fucking horrendous dismal dismal um he might not be the best like he, he's up like on a par with ray and eddie and kidman for like best on offense so far on this show but like his selling is next level compared to everybody else we've seen so far mm-hmm. 100%. um and you can hear the crowd like so in every other match the crowd kind of die when the baby faces are selling on this night because they're like right this isn't the point where we're, we're we start cheering during the comeback and we're gonna stay sit on our hands till then but with Booker, you can hear the crowd are invested. But see, I think Booker was so good in that he had, I think it was two, like, really well-placed hope spots. Mm. And it, like, it was like an extended beatdown on Booker. Yeah. Like, it was a long time. And there was just a couple of well-placed um, 
host spots. I think one was the the sunset flip out of the corner. Yeah. And then there was another one. I think it was a, ta- a dusty tag. Or, well, yeah. I call it a dusty tag, you know, where the ref is distracted. Yeah. And they kind of keep the fans invested enough to, like, stay with the story. Yeah. The other thing I will say is that... I was thinking about this and between Booker like being physically able to do it and um, the fact that you have even if they're physically washed you have Barry Wyndham and you have Kurt Hennig involved in putting this match together I'm sure Mm -hmm. is that even though I thought this match was bad on the whole um, I thought everything made sense and that's a rarity for this like there was a logic to everything that was happening yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Like, well, the match wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it made sense that, you know, the, the Rednecks were on top for a lot of it because it was a three on two. Yeah. And Henning was getting involved constantly. And, yeah, um, yeah no, def- definitely it was just a very basic kind of yeah. tag, heel, like heel versus face tag match. And everything was placed in the right spot. And the finish, I thought, like, even if I haven't been into this feud, into this angle, I thought that doing the finish that plays into how the Rednecks won the belts off them in the first place, where you have Kurt coming in uh, and hitting Stevie with the cowbell, um, but the ref is distracted because the, the, the heels and their hubris didn't realize that Booker was the legal man and he was still outside. So Booker comes in, hits a missile dropkick and they win. Yeah, see, that, that goes back to, there was the one dusty tag where Stevie comes in and starts clear house, but the ref like tells him to pick it out. Mm-hmm. So it happens a second time and Stevie basically tells the ref to go fuck himself. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of clears house and that's when they hit him with, with the cowbell. Yeah. Now the thing I didn't like was that immediately when he hits the missile drop kick, Stevie's like, "Right, it's time to stop selling." That I was hit in the head yeah, with a, like a cowbell ten seconds. It's ago. celebration time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Harlem Heat are tag team champions again. Got a huge pop. One of the biggest. It did. On the show. Really did. Yeah. Um. And again, is it that thing where like I know we talked about it at the start? Are you shocked that they're still together? Yes. In yeah. in my mind's eye, it was they get back together and then very quickly. You know, midnight comes in and Stevie turns on uh, Booker. Yeah, this uh, this particular, as we mentioned earlier in the show, this particular reign lasts a month. Um, and I genuinely can't remember if they win it back again before the the turn early big next turn, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, next the big up, turn being the big T. Mm, indeed, that's what the T stands for. Yeah, turn, big, big turn, and yeah. he fucking turned like a fucking cruise ship. So <laughs> I'll tell you, um. WCW United States Heavyweight Title Match and Martial Arts Division Title Match. Mm-hmm. Chris Benoit defending versus Sid Vicious, and I feel like maybe somebody was reading the tea leaves a little bit when they <laughs> awarded the Martial Arts Division Title to Benoit last month. I can say, in all truth, I had no idea this was going to be the way it went. This has all worked out very well for you, then. It, in that case, it really buddy. has. Like, I mean, listen. <laughs> If I was an evil commissioner, this would have been my plan all along. Yeah. But um, this, right. yeah, that's just happy coincidence. And again, I don't think this match was, I wouldn't say it was good. Um, but again, I think it made a lot of sense. Like you have the intense 
brawling babyface Chris Benoit urgently trying to defend his title. He tries to do the Benoit stuff early on. It's not working. He's hitting a brick wall. So mm. what does he do then? He tries to bust Sid's wheel. So the rest of the match is like him working to take Z- uh, Sid's vertical base. Any, any offense Benoit gets sent after like the first two or three minutes is like at the leg. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good match. Like you, because it was very... Benoit never backed down. He he, yeah. he was like Chris Benoit throughout the match. It was, he's coming in, steady determination. I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to make him tap. Yeah. And Sid, Sid didn't... Like Sid saw, like sold it that he was in there with a guy. Like he didn't yeah. come in with the attitude of it's a fucking vanilla midget, you know. He he treated this like a big match. Just an interesting thing about Benoit that he's kind of in the vanilla midget category, and yet even though his booking is very inconsistent, I never see him like you said get treated the way that a lot of the others in that ilk do, where they're just brushed aside. Like him and maybe Ray mm. are the two that like even when they lose they lose valiantly kind of see I think with Ray it was Ray was friends with all the right people mm-hmm. to a degree and then like you can't get past that he's a fucking generational talent yeah with Benoit I think it was always the fact that everyone respected him mm. and you know it's a hard thing to say in fucking 2024 that people respect Chris Benoit, but they did. And he was never treated like a jobber. Um, whereas Malenko, I think if he hadn't have had the association with Benoit and Eddie and Flair, he probably would have been treated a lot worse in WCW. Mm. I don't think Chris Benoit was ever going to be treated that way. Um, was I like, there was a firm ceiling on him, but yes. there was a firm floor as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I just think the match worked so well because this is the first time we're seeing Benoit on pay-per-view in there with like we've seen him with, with DDP but that was you know DDP was still kind of DDP D- yeah DDP has a weird thing is like we think of him now as a WCW main eventer but really he was that like vacillating between US title and world title constantly like right now he's lower on the totem pole than mm-hmm. either of these guys um, even though even though he's in the semi-main it's like the way he's treated is as a mid-carder oh yeah absolutely and th- that's what I mean by I think this was Benoit's first like pay-per-view match with it, like a made guy yeah and I thought I told the story well of Benoit is you know he's on the up but he's not there yet. And like, Sid just won. He won clean. Yeah. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and now you have a new US champion and a new martial arts division champion in yeah. Sid. Um, and I love, I love the finish because Bemo gets the cross face on and Sid kind of powers up. And it, that's the first yeah. time we've seen somebody do that. Mm-hmm. But Benoit holds on, you know, being the, the rabid Wolverine that he is. But yeah. Sid falls into the ropes, so that breaks it. So Benoit goes for the headbutt, misses, and Sid is like, fuck this, powerbomb. And that, like, it, it's such a good finish. Like, Sid yeah. wastes no time. Yeah. No wasted motion, for whatever reason you want to divine with, uh, with Sid Vicious. Um, um, I thought, it's interesting I, because I, I guess it makes sense. It's a thing where like I wouldn't want Benoit's US title run to, earn, or to end if I was booking WCW hmm. at the time. 
But I guess if you're committing hard on the he is mirroring Goldberg streak, you have yeah. to have him win the US title on the way. And I think that's probably why, in hindsight, they changed the booking from Sid Goldberg at Fall Brawl to pushing down the line a month. Um, yeah. And I thought Tony had a great line after after the match finished. He's like, Sid continues his assault on the record books. Yeah. Which I just thought was a great line. And it is, uh, whatever way you want to read into it, it is true he's assaulting the record books uh, between trying to break the streak and also not really keeping count. Yeah. <laughs> he's been 79 and 0. Now 80 and 0. They did acknowledge that it's now 80 it's like and 0. like a personal feud with historians left, right and center. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, we move on. Uh, semi-main event. DDP versus Goldberg. And my first note here, Lee, what a difference a year makes. Like, do you remember how hot DDP was going into that Goldberg title match? Yeah. And now he is just opponent of the month. And, like, we were saying, like, DDP was coming off that awful summer with Hogan. Yeah. Where we thought he'd lost all his heat. Um, yeah, like, it's just... DDP is just, like, yeah, a heel of the month, like. Yeah. So might as well be, like, Glacier or Jerry Flynn or something in this role like there's there's nothing interesting about like and and to have done this almost exactly a year later from the best Goldberg singles pay-per-view mm-hmm. match it draws a stark comparison to where both men are now like Goldberg should maybe not be still undefeated but should still probably be world champion or if not world champion, challenging for the world title. Yeah. yeah. And like, both it, it, men, like, obviously DDP has been cooled off way worse, but Goldberg has been cooled off as well. It's something we've talked about continuously of, okay, they got the world title off Goldberg, but as soon as they got the world title off Goldberg, they had to have a plan to get the world title back on Goldberg, and they didn't. Yeah. Because there were so many changes in power and fucking political shifts, and God, they screwed themselves so fucking badly with that. Um... Mm-hmm. and I don't know I thought this match was like of the three like top matches I thought this was by far the worst yeah I don't know yeah. like like the, these two normally have good chemistry I thought the match was mm-hmm. boring I don't think the fans actually believe DDB had a hope mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting I'm holding back on giving you Dave's ratings because I want to I want to wait until the end of the main event because I think Dave was I, I mean I wouldn't have rated the a lot of matches the way Dave did. Um, okay, is a very he's very all over the place this month. Um, I I just I just didn't enjoy this match. I thought um, it was pretty fucking bad. I don't know, like it. It just, just made me I, sad. I was yeah, I was just waiting for Goldberg to hit the spear and win, and I, like it, I felt nothing. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't know, like what what can you break down out of this match? Like there was nothing. The only to thing it. I was like, the only thing I was uh, maybe a little bit surprised by. Uh, was um, the fucking the use of the glass plate was weird. What what was that? It's like a glass plate. It looked like one of those glass plates you have in the bottom of a microwave. Okay. Uh, but like I think it was like a glass display plate. Like it, that's what it looked like. And um, so that was a bit weird of a choice of weapon, especially because it seems to have been like shoot glass. Goldberg and shoot glass. R- real glass from your river. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because not for the only time in WCW history it does a glass spot cause yeah. Goldberg to, to, to Goldberg. actually bleed. Yeah. 
Um, at least this one didn't nearly fucking kill him. That's true. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say was, oh, when the second time that um, DDP goes to load his fist and he actually delivers and punches Goldberg, Goldberg takes the Rikishi bump. <laughs> Which I thought was, like, a little excessive. Like, that was the thing as well. Like, DDP is just, like, constantly dipping in and out of his trousers with this foreign object. Yeah, yeah. And I like, just thought he had some sort of rash or something. <laughs> it's just... Just couldn't it, leave it like, alone. DDP is a former... Like, he was literally world champ a couple of months ago. Like, why are we yeah. doing this thing where he has to cheat to be yeah. competitive with Goldberg? Makes no sense at all. No sense at all. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the main event. Uh, Jesus Christ. Brett is out. Yeah, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Brett is back. And even though they knew Brett was coming back and they had no matches two weeks ago, they couldn't get a Brett match on the show. Like some sort of exhibition, like a tune-up match because he's back. Like, what was that? It's not like th- there is... I don't think there's a single match. Like, you might argue for storyline progression they needed to have Sid and Benoit. But other than that, I don't think there's anything on this pay-per-view that couldn't have been shifted off the card to Nitro. Like, surely the thing, like, if, like, I know they wanted Berlin to get a win, but surely the thing of, if you're going to do, Bagwell can't make it to the arena, but guess who's here to replace him? It's, or it's Bret Hart. Yeah. And he just fucking taps out Berlin. Yeah. Like. Or you have, like, you could have Berlin wrestle, like, think of a Canadian on the show and then like him and the wall go to beat him down and yeah, Brett makes Bert the save, save yeah. something <sighs> anything else like he just walks out shakes yeah. Sting's hand shakes Terry's hand and you know the commentators are like they're panicking that people are going to react because, no no because <laughs> they do a thing where like straight away as soon as you see Brett they're making they're immediately going now look Brett is just out here to shake their hand and give them good wishes. I'm like, why? Like, like that makes no sense. Do that? Why didn't you just stand that fucking gorilla and do it? It's like you wanted to have Brett on the show, but you didn't want him to do anything. Like this isn't, and I, I normally hate this unless it's the a very specific subset of wrestlers. But you couldn't even throw him on commentary for the match. So mm-hmm. you know he's out here scouting because he has the world title in his sights, or have him. You know, like they fucking have done many times with Brett before, have him as like a ref or an enforcer. Like you couldn't even go that yeah. far. I thought, I thought that's what it was. I thought he was going to be the ringside enforcer. Yeah. Um. Right, but the match. I enjoyed oh, the match. By the way, oh. uh, that's what I meant to say. That he, the one thing he said in his comeback promo, according to Bobby, was that regardless of whether he wins the title or not, or he defends the title or not, tonight, he wants a match with Hogan. Brett wants a match yeah. with Hogan. Um. Yeah, and I believe he says to Sting, if Sting wins, he's first in line or something like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the match. I enjoyed this match. Really? I thought it was pretty nondescript, but I thought for a 1999 Hulk Hogan and Sting match, I I found myself enjoying it. Like, nothing happened. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't action-packed. I but for some th- reason, I just I just sat back and enjoyed it. I thought this was bad, man. I thought this was just, this is every Hogan main event. And that would offend me to a certain, uh, well, it wouldn't surprise me, but it would upset me to a certain level having to watch him do the same old shit again. But the fact that it's with Sting, do you know? Um, I, I, I don't know. Hogan dropped an elbow on the outside. That, that's him with his working boots on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just thought it was, yeah, I thought it was nonsense. And, like, obviously we'll get to the finish in a second. But, like, the finish is such a, like... Oh, well, no, look, that was fucking Just putting money in a furnace. Like, just another one of those which made me think, as we talked about at the start of the show, that we're at the tipping point now. Because now it's just, like, we have run out of ideas that we're pretty sure will make us money. Let's just do random heel face swaps and see if something hits like the NWO did. Now, let me say, I don't hate the idea of a heel Sting and Lex pairing. If anybody could turn Sting heel, it would be Lex. Given their, their history. I get what you're saying, but I also think, like, with a lot of these things, you need to pay attention to the crowds. Oh, yeah. No, and I, they... I, I, I exactly see what you're saying. Like, of all the people in the company, Sting should not be healed. There's, there's plenty of other people there that should be healed before him. They, so, one, they, they teased it with him in the NWO in 1998, mm. having him ultimately join the Wolfpack. And if anything, it made the Wolfpack bigger baby faces. Yes. People don't want to boo Sting, right? Mm-hmm. Two, it is easier to do what you're saying if Ric Flair is still in WCW. Okay, yeah, he'd, he'd be the guy they turn on. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you there. But if... also, even if you turn Sting, you still have Ric Flair as the WCW guy. Yeah. Do you know uh, what I mean? I, I 100% agree with you there. Turning him a heel against Hulk Hogan in WCW it isn't the way to do it. No, um, and the other thing was that if that if it wasn't obvious that this was the wrong thing to do right now in the way you're doing it, is the fact that he turns heel and the crowds cheer him instead of Hogan. Well, that's the other thing. Hogan got audible boos when his music started. Yeah, people are over it already. People are over. Like I, I knew it wouldn't last long. Yeah, but I'm surprised at how quickly. The, the yeah. nostalgia run like was just dead. When you think about it, like realistically, we have less than a year to go until Bash at the Beach 2000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so we are getting the real. They are oh, squeezing the last paint out of the tube on Hogan. We're, for the we're next at the, eight the or end nine game, months. Like, yeah, and like we're we're nearly at a sleeveless cut off jacket Hogan. F U M B Hogan. Yeah, yeah, we're we're getting we're get we're really like getting towards the end, but like as long as Easy and certain other people are floating around this company, like they're just gonna keep gonna on the, keep going back to them. Yeah. No there, what. there, ha- there has never been an environment that screams more. Either this guy needs time off or cycling down or a change up. Like because they tried, like it was the one thing left with Hogan is bringing back the red and yellow. And the crowd popped for it for like a month. And now they're clearly already over it. I do think it is tone deaf to turn Sting and Luger heel when the two people they're turning on are Hulk Hogan and Bret Yeah. And also, um, you know, I feel like I'm going to turn into uh, Joe here. He's still getting great reactions in the building mm-hmm. on TV, Hogan. Um and even if there were some boos, he's, there's still a lot of people cheering him. I'm not going to say that people are universally rejecting Hogan at this time. Mm-hmm. But look at the business. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can't argue. Like, I was stunned at how bad this pay-per-view drew. All the business indicators are this guy still on top is fucking it's accelerating toxic. the yeah. decline. 
Um, now, and you know, again, you want to talk about tipping points. The Flair Hogan double turn is a very oh, yeah. close contender for uh-huh. that. But I mean, that was more that was more Flair than Hogan, from what I remember of like yeah, the that was pushing first. Yeah. Um, now, do you think a heel sting holding on to the title until Starcade to face Goldberg would have been a draw? I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. Because so much happens between now and Starcade. I don't think it's... Yeah, but I also don't think it's as big a business as you do like Havoc last year and you have Babyface 1 versus Babyface 1A. And like you just yeah. keep both of them Babyface. Like I, I don't think there's... they do, That match, Goldberg versus Sting for the title on pay-per-view doesn't need to have Babyface versus Heel. Has see, to be. I've been the best for a generation. You're the best of now. I see. I think you the could torch have, passing element. I, I think, think sells it. You could have done it in a way where Sting wins the title and instantly starts ducking Goldberg. As in, I'm not going to defend against Goldberg. He's not getting a shot. And you have you have Goldberg win World War Three, and that sets up mm. the pay per view. Um. Yeah. But yeah, now look, there, there, there's so much that takes place between this point and fucking the end of the year that yeah. it, it's uh, impossible listeners, if you don't if you don't know fucking get ready it, this show is about to get extremely fucking wacky like it's yeah. there's a lot happens um yeah. but look i i didn't hate the idea of sting on heel i do think it's it's wrong to do it with hogan i think the heel lineup is so much better than the baby face lineup now in this company yeah you've now got sting Luger can't go for fuck anymore, but he's still like a yeah. good character. Sid, obviously, I'm fucking fully behind. Mm-hmm. DDP, if given something to be interested in, but I think he's a guy you need to get back on the other side at this point. Yeah. Um. Like the mid card needs a good fucking shake up. But they're like, I, I, like other than Goldberg, there's nobody to be supportive on top of the card, is there? The thing that's interesting is you can see why in their heads they thought bringing in Russo was a good idea. Because what they're doing now to try and create a new boom for WCW is just hitting, like I said, random levers that say heel or babyface mm-hmm. for each character and just seeing if something sticks. So what they're saying is the one thing we're lacking is guys having individual stories. Which is the thing that, like, until everybody knew better, shortly. That was Russo's fucking go That's the thing yeah. people sold. Like, you hear he, even he the Russo... Dino Brown a storyline. But this is yeah. like, even the, the people who are, like, relative Russo defenders nowadays. And there still are some. They will say, is like, he gave everybody something to do. Mm. And that's great. Like, the idea of giving everybody something to do, absolutely on board with it. The problem was... 60 to 70% of the time was absolute shit. Uh, fucking a- age like milk, it was absolute shit or uh, needed to be edited down to a point where it was usable by the Fed, as we're about to find out. Because when he is left, when him and Ed Ferrara are left unchained, holy fuck. Bear in mind the good stuff he got through was choppy, choppy, pee pee. Yeah. Terry, yeah, having, yeah. <laughs> Terry having a miscarriage off a bump off the apron. Yeah, think about the stuff he got through yeah. and think about all the things that 
Vince McMahon left on the cutting room floor that were that offended Vince McMahon's delicate sensibilities in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Cornette always tells the stories of some of his ideas, like building the evil architect and um, a bunch of other ideas like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to, there's one thing as much as we're going to suffer is to be able to chronicle week by week that this guy is the worst thing that ever walked into a professional wrestling booking meeting. Oh yeah, uh, that that's if you, you know if you don't think we're gonna fucking destroy that man on a weekly basis, yeah. you have another thing coming. And please, yeah. somebody fucking tell him because if he <laughs> wants to listen, I have no problem with that. We'll take your clicks, Vince. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I don't want to get like too much into like the blow by blow of the match, but we'll skip to the end anyway. Um, where the turn happens, so um. So Brett comes out, he beats up Paige, who had come out uh, to... Die. He had tried to interfere, and it didn't work, and then he came in again, DDP, or Diamond Cutter, the ref. Uh, Brett comes out, he beats up Paige. Uh, Sting gets back up. Uh, Hogan with the punches, Sting goes outside. Sid in, and Hogan fights him off. Fights off Luger, too. Sting gets in with the bat. Hogan says, I told you he was the one. Uh, Sting kills Hogan with the bat, passes it to Luger. Uh, Charles Robinson is in. He'll ref again, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because he's Sid's personal ref, but now he's like Sid Luger and Sting's personal ref. Uh, locks in the death lock and Sting wins. New world champion. Um, yeah. Half the crowd as well, is where half the crowd has no idea this is supposed to be a heel turn and cheers the finish. <laughs> That's Sting won. He's their guy. That's... yeah. And actually, actually do you know what? One thing I have to say is Sting was yeah. in fucking incredible shape. He was. There was, he was. There was no fucking denying putting him over this time, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was your, your main event. Uh, before I, I get the, the wrap up here, will I go through Dave's ratings? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, the opening six-person tag match got three and a quarter stars. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I liked it, but I don't know if I liked it that much. Yeah. Uh, the Cruiserweight title match. Three and three quarter stars. A little bit high, but... It's a little bit high, and I'll just... I'll, I'll, I'll tear this band-aid off now. By far the highest rated match on the show. Okay. Uh, we've just gone through the two highlights of the show, star-wise. Uh... Nobbs and Morris against Malenko and Shane Douglas. Three quarters of a star. That's fair. Uh, Rick Steiner versus Perry Saturn. Two stars. Way too high. No way. Uh, Berlin versus Jim Duggan. Minus one star. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Booker and Stevie versus Barry and Kendall. Half of one star. Maybe a little harsh. A little bit harsh considering he gave two quarters of a star to fucking... uh... That previous match to fucking yeah. yeah, Vicious and Benoit two and one quarter stars. What? Yeah, that's way too low. That was a three star match. Uh, DDP Goldberg two and one quarter stars. That would I would agree with. And the main event, your favorite match of all time, <laughs> half of a star. Uh, that's that's extremely harsh. 
I would have probably gone in the like 1.5 range. I'd say it's like a two star match, two and a quarter. But yeah, Dave is feeling himself there with the first two matches, I think. Yeah. Um, something I want to do as well um, before um, you wrap up, every time there is a title change, I feel like I want to run down the... Uh, the the championship role of honor for the martial arts division title oh, yes, for yes. people to, to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> right, from the, inaug- the official big boy voices. Yeah, yeah. From inauguration to the nineteenth of April, nineteen ninety eight, Prince IKEA. Nineteenth of April, nineteen ninety eight, to the seventeenth of May, nineteen ninety eight, Chris Jericho. 17th of May 1998 to the 6th of July 1998, Dean Malenko. 6th of July 1998 to the 13th of September 1998, Raven. Uh, 13th of September 1998 to the 19th of November 1998, Perry Saturn. Uh, 19th of November 1998 to the... <laughs> the shortest reign of all time. To the 22nd of November 1998, Wrath vacated due to injury. Yes, I mean, that was fair. The 22nd of November 1998 to the 14th of March 1999, Scott Steiner. We should add, only had like one defense in that time. 14th of March 1999 to the 11th of April 1999, Booker T. The 11th of April 1999 to uh, the 14th of August 1999, Scott Steiner vacated due to injury. So he was our first two-time champion. Mm. Um, 14th of August uh, 1999 to the 12th of September 1999, Chris Benoit. Uh, and now 12th of September 1999 to, I don't know, Sid Vicious. I feel like Sid could drop a fall at any time. <laughs> so this one could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, to anyone. Uh, right, okay, so give us your overall thoughts on the the show, Lee, and uh, your winners and losers. I mean, like I said, I, I enjoyed the first two matches, not as much as Dave enjoyed them, but I did enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed Benoit, Sid, and I enjoyed the main event for what it was. Mm-hmm. so I don't know if I'd call it a bad match it's just everything from the end of the second match on until like it was just a long I think it was like an hour an hour and a yeah. bit maybe of the show and it just it fucking dragged and it dragged the show down badly yeah. Um, so I'd call it like it comes in the middle show mm-hmm. um, winners and losers um I, like I think Sid and Benoit, like I just I just really enjoyed that match. I thought they did really well, and yeah. Kaz Kaz had a great show on pay per view. He did. Uh, yeah, I'd go along with them for your winners. I think for me, losers. I, I it's hard to look past DDP. Yeah, it's fucking, like even his interference in the main event didn't work. He looked like a doofus. Yeah, it was the army of heels running in to topple Hogan, like. Yeah, and he was the one that was first, and he was thwarted. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know, just fucking... Yeah, I, I can't disagree, with, with the, like, but that's an ongoing issue that DDP is having. He's just not looked good. Yeah. Yeah, he really hasn't. Poor guy. 
Uh, this is one of my favorite statistics. Uh, the finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Nine matches, eight clean finishes. And one interference leading directly to a finish. Which was your main event. In the main event, of course. Clean Just finishes up and down the card Gary, until the Gary main event. doesn't do no job for her. Yeah, nothing clean. Um... Thank you all for listening to another episode of Days of the Thunder. We'll be back on the free feed in two weeks over at alargemanappears.com next week for uh, exclusive Patreon goodness. Uh, thank you very much. We will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, Go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.